Grace to you and peace in the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the Bible that is kind of a mystery to us. We know that it happened because the Bible says so. But we often don't know why a certain thing happened because many times the Bible simply does not say. For example, we know that Magi from the East came to worship Jesus sometime after his birth. But we don't know why it was these Magi that God chose to reveal his star to. In the same way, we know that shepherds who were out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night received this angelic message that a Savior had been born. But we don't know why God chose to reveal this message to these shepherds out in the fields as opposed to maybe the local tax collector in town or a few of the town's tradesmen. We don't know why these things happen because the Bible simply does not tell us why. And so we speculate and we make guesses saying things like the Magi represent the Gentiles. And thus God was showing that Jesus had come into the world for everyone. Or we say, well, the shepherds represent the poor and the uneducated of the world. Thus God again showing that Jesus came to save even the lowliest of mankind. I've always kind of reasoned who would be more interested in the birth of a lamb, the lamb of God, than a shepherd. But that's neither here nor there because these are all just guesses. Educated, perhaps, but guesses nonetheless. And so it is with the event in our gospel reading this morning that of the transfiguration of Jesus. We know that it happened, and we know what happened because the Gospels give us a clear account of what all went on. But we don't know why it happened. Because none of the Gospels fill us in on that detail. And so, as I said, is often the case, we are left to speculate as to God's purpose behind this whole event. It's important to note that this event took place on the heels of Jesus' very first prediction of his impending death. And so it's suggested by many scholars and by many teachers that the transfiguration took place to encourage Peter, 
James and John, in the wake of Jesus' prediction about his death, so as to prepare them for what was about to happen with him dying on the cross. But I don't think that's why this event happened. First off, because they didn't believe Jesus. <laughs> they didn't think he was going to die. At least we know for certain. Peter didn't believe that. And secondly, because showing Jesus in all of his heavenly glory would do nothing toward convincing them that he was about to die. You know, if they didn't think that he could or would die when they simply saw him as a man, why in the world would they believe that he could die when they now saw him in this vision of his heavenly glory, that of God himself? Now, I don't think the transfiguration took place to prepare these disciples for Jesus' death. I think it took place to prepare them for Jesus' resurrection. You see, the hope that they needed in light of the news that Jesus was going to die was not the news that Jesus wasn't going to die. Seeing Jesus in his godly glory did not happen, at least in my opinion, to prepare them for Good Friday. It happened to prepare them for Easter Sunday. It was meant to be the planted seed that when watered by the women's words on Sunday morning, those words that Jesus had risen from the dead or the grave was empty, would then sprout forth in confident faith that Jesus was indeed alive. You see, the disciples knew Jesus to be the Messiah. They knew him as the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Holy One of God, who could walk on water, heal diseases, even raise the dead. But he still just looked like one of them. He still just looked like a man. A very special, chosen, holy man to be sure, but a man nonetheless. And then came the transfiguration. And they saw him, veiled though it was, in a portion of his heavenly, godly glory. It was an image that no doubt came to them in the hours and the days following this whole event following the, you know, the women's announcement that Jesus was not in the tomb. An image that encouraged them in the days and weeks and years ahead, especially after Jesus had ascended back into heaven. And as they were then left 
to be his witnesses in the world. Seeing Jesus in his heavenly glory helped them prepare not only for Jesus' resurrection, but also for one day their own resurrection too. Knowing that this one that they followed for three years of their lives, the one they ate with, drank with, and, and talked with, and laughed with perhaps, and mourned with, the one they saw die on the cross as the punishment for their sin and rise from a grave as victor over death. The one they then watched ascend into the heavens was none other than Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Atik Yomim, the Ancient of Days. This Jesus, who they spent all that time with, was the creator God of the universe. And this realization gave them the absolute confidence to face whatever the world or whatever Satan would throw at them for the years to come in their ministry as apostles for the Lord Jesus Christ. They fully trusted in the life, the life beyond death that Jesus had promised them, the life that Jesus had won for them. For they now knew his true and his full identity. He wasn't just God's son or God's servant or, or God's chosen one. He was and he is God himself. Emmanuel, God with us. I'm not sure exactly why the transfiguration took place. Or why only Peter, James, and John of the disciples were privy to it. But I do know that it changed the way they looked at Jesus. It helped them understand him beyond the parameters of his temporal incarnation into the limitless nature of his eternal identity. And it should do the same for us too. This Jesus that we come here to worship. This man who lived a very human life and died a very human death. And who came back fully resurrected as a fully human man. This guy that we draw pictures of have images of, looking like one of us, doing all the same things that we might do in our daily lives, is so much more than just a man. He was, and he is, and he always will be the Lord of hosts, the ancient of days, 
and the almighty God of the universe. And it's because he is all that that you and I can live with the assurance that we have been forgiven of our sins and that our salvation has already been won. And thus, we are ready for the day of resurrection, also known as the day of judgment. For we know that we will be given the crown of everlasting life. For the one who won that crown for us through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave is the same one who will bestow that crown on us. And he's not just some special, some chosen, some holy man. But he is in fact God himself. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.